0: Welcome to Navigating Cancer Together. My name is Talaya Dindi. I'm a cancer thriver, cancer doula, independent patient advocate, and owner of On The Other Side. I use my experience to help others get on the other side of cancer. Gaps between the guidance, emotional support, and education that are needed, and what one receives can be huge. This podcast fills those gaps by sharing stories, resources, and information about all things related to cancer and wellness. I interview guests from all walks of life who are living with cancer, caregivers, and those who are thriving on the other side. Also, I talk with organizations, healthcare professionals, and experts in the health and wellness spaces who offer complementary and integrative care. Join me. We are in this together. Hello everyone, this is Talaya Dendi from OnTheOtherSide.Life and you're listening to Navigating Cancer Together, the show that has something for everyone facing cancer. Why? Because everyone is different with different needs, beliefs, and perspectives. Thank you for joining us for this episode. I encourage you to open your minds and your hearts. Today, our very special guest is Brad Miller. You're gonna love Brad's story, I'm telling you. Dr. Brad Miller was a victim of a bad joke. Just a month after retiring from a 43-year career as a pastor, Dr. Brad Miller was flagged for cancer. His immediate response was to laugh to keep from crying, thinking the news was a bad joke. I can relate to that. As a means to cope with cancer, Dr. Brad combined his doctoral degree in personal transformation and his love of comedy to serve people impacted by cancer with a message of healing through hope and humor through his podcast, Cancer and Comedy. Dr. Miller, thank you so much for joining us today and welcome.
1: Talea, what an incredible honor to be with you. I got to say, I love your smile. I love your countenance and I love your podcast because it's helping so many people.
0: Thank you. Thank you. It's such an honor to have you with me here today. I'm so looking forward to your story. I love Cancer and comedy, humor, laughter, comedy got me through mine. So I'm so interested to learn more. But before we get started, I would really like to know, how are you feeling today?
1: I'm doing overall pretty good. I had cancer surgery a little more than six months ago and the prostate cancer. And so just recently, some of the side effects from the surgery have subsided to a point that I feel mostly myself anymore. But the good side effects is that it motivated me in some other health areas. I've lost a fair amount of weight and my, uh, you know, my diabetes is more in control, things like that. I got a little motivated. So in some ways I'm feeling a lot better and Mm -hmm. I'm I'm at, at a pretty decent place emotionally spiritually. And I thank you for asking.
0: Yeah, I'm so happy to hear that. That is so important. You mentioned emotionally, so critical. A lot of people, if you haven't been through cancer, they really don't understand the emotional impact and how strong of an impact that it can have on your healing as well. So I'm happy you're in a better place.
1: Thank you so much. Appreciate it.
0: You're welcome. Brad, if you don't mind, I know that you shared when you first heard the news, you laughed to keep from crying. How else would you react when you got the news that you had cancer?
1: Oh, well, it's a flood of emotions. A laugh to keep from crying is one part of it. It Just at the moment, it it wasn't an outright laugh, laugh. It was just a chuckle like, you got to be kidding me. And my wife was in tears and I just was trying to be firm about it. But that was also a little bit to lay of a bit of the. I was a little bit like Cleopatra, the queen of denial. I was just (laughs) not really figuring it out. Didn't really want to deal with it. Not too long after that, I went to the devastation stage, crushed by the experience. I went into a little bit of depression after that. Just within the first few days, really, of that whole deal, I went from that denial, which is a laughter thing, to devastation, to depression. Then at that point is when I had to start figuring out, okay, what am I going to do about this?
0: Yeah, I can relate to that. It's like you experience so many different emotions and they come at you pretty quick. When you get that news at first, you're numb and you're like, it's like you're watching a bad movie yes. <laughs> and then you really start to feel all the feels and then hopefully you're in a better place to take action once you start working through some of those emotions Brad, what is some advice that you have for men who have been diagnosed with prostate cancer that can really help them work through it a little bit easier in terms of their emotion, but then also any tips that you might have for them as far as navigating the cancer treatment?
1: Yes, appreciate that question because part of the reason that question is important because prostate cancer is one that affects all the men and a lot of men, Don't like to talk about it. They don't like to deal with it at all. And so what I'm going to answer, this is two sides of it. One is the medical side and the other is the social, emotional, family side of it. On the medical side of it, you just got to get yourself checked. You got to get your PSA blood test every year. I think it used to be, I'm 65 years old. I think I've been taking the PSA from around 10, 12 years, around the age 50 on I think they've moved it about 45 now because it impacts prostate cancer in some form or another. It impacts a very high percentage of men. And as you get older, it's much more likely to impact you. I've got a couple of friends of mine who were impacted with prostate cancer when they were in their mid-50s, one of them in their 40s, even. It does happen. And there's not, usually, there's no physical symptoms of it until it gets pretty bad. So you want to nip it in the bud, so to speak, by getting your PSA Blood test done on a yearly basis, so I've got a great doctor, and that was just for the last several years as part of the deal. He flagged me in August of 22, and that sent me in a series, a whole bunch of tests, and all kinds of other things. I finally was diagnosed December 27th of 22, two days after Christmas. I got the call from the urologist that I had it. But your question was, how do you deal with it, and what are some tips? That's one of them. I went ahead, did the medical stuff, and then I went ahead and jumped into all the testing and all that stuff. I was not real thrilled about it. wasn't happy about it, but my encouragement from my wife, a little more than encouragement, assistance from her that we do it. And I knew it had to be done. So you do all the medical stuff and you still have decisions to make. And on the emotional and family side of it, and the spiritual side of it as well. These are all elements that play Hotelia. Emotionally, I reached out. I mentioned a couple of friends of mine who I knew that had prostate cancer. I reached out to them, got together. We had lunch and you know talked and chatted about their experiences. Some were overall pretty successful and some were more challenging than others. I had good relationships with these guys, but we hadn't really talked in depth about prostate cancer, but we got into it in depth because I asked them some probing questions and that, that type of thing. It also involves some intimate conversations with my wife. There are all kinds of ramifications and possibilities that go along with prostate cancer, and they they include some pretty uncomfortable and things that just make you cringe, like incontinence and uh, impotence. So those are areas. How are we going to do life in all kinds of ways with my wife, and we talked about those things in depth, and then I. Also, I have three adult children and got together with them and we got together and I had a couple of heart-to-heart conversations with them because my actual, my prognosis initially was not too good. Basically, if I didn't have some real rapid treatment pretty soon, the docs were saying this was a relatively advanced, the cancer had advanced relatively far that if it didn't take some action pretty soon, my lifespan was going to be cut way short. So I had to have some conversations with my wife. And my kids and my friends and those are areas. And then, of course, I had some spiritual work to do because I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And that is the focus of my life. And yet this, is, this was, a, this was a, literally a body blow, literally a gut punch. And I had to have some heart-to-hearts in my prayer life and in my journaling and things like that to sort through that. And as you, I love the title of your podcast, Navigate because that's what I felt like I had to do. I had to navigate this and the navigation wasn't always smooth. It still isn't for that matter, but the idea is to make progress. And when you run into some some problems along the road, you got to navigate it. But that's the kind of thing. You got the medical, which is the physical health side. Then you got the emotional, spiritual, and the family life. I don't know if that helps or not, but that's what I did.
0: Yes, that's very helpful. And you explained it very well. What I really love, Brad, is that you right away, you talk to people about it. And in a sense, you formed your own support group. I know that sometimes men are less likely to go to support groups to talk to other people about what they're going through. And I just love how you talk to your friends and other men that you knew who had experienced prostate cancer before. And um, I just want to applaud you for that.
1: Yeah, I would say do it. If there's men out there who are listening to uh, our voices here today, Talia, uh, either try to just have this conversation with some friends or reach out to support groups. They are out there for uh, prostrate issues or your doctor. She or he may have some direction for you. Or if you want to, you just reach out to me, that, uh, Brad at uh, CancerAndComedy.com, and I'll respond and or through my website, CancerAndComedy.com. Or you contact Talia and she'll get a hold of me.
0: That's right. Thank you, Brad. I will be sure to put your contact information in the lesson notes so that anyone who comes across this podcast will be able to reach you as well. I think that's so important. I want to thank you for extending that offer to people. I think it's just critical. A lot of times you get that diagnosis and you just feel like there's no one who will understand. And there are a lot of us, unfortunately, <laughs> who, who knows what it's like to face cancer.
1: But you got to take charge of your own life. You got to get over the denial and the depression stuff. I like to call uh, these the four or five Ds. There's the denial, the devastation of the depression, but then there's also the do it stage, do something about it stage. And that has to do with your medical stuff, but also these emotional and spiritual and family things. You got to do something about it. Take action.
0: That's right. Brad, what did your treatment look like?
1: there were some decisions to make there part of the dilemma and part of the navigation for me to lay was to choose basically three courses of action. One was to do really nothing in terms of treatment and just to observe it kind of every six months or so having blood tests and so on and to observe it. And then there's other treatments that are out there. There's these proton pellets. I'm not saying what that is out there. And my Doctor wasn't in favor of that. I did a little research on that. That would not look good to me. So the other two alternatives that looked most promising given the advanced stage of my cancer was either radiation treatment or cancer or combinations thereof. After a lot of conversations and all kinds of things, I chose the surgery route and with the possibility that I may end up having radiation down the road. In my particular case, if you had radiation first, and cancer is not an option uh, after that. But I chose to have surgery after a run through a you know, whole rigmarole of tests. And that happened on April the 4th and I've been on the road to recovery ever since then.
0: I must say that you appear to be doing very well. I'm grateful that you're just willing to show up today and talk about your experience. We had the pleasure of having a previous conversation before, Brad. Yes, we did. And you mentioned your granddaughter at McDonald's moment. Please tell the audience about that special moment.
1: This was a real pivotal time for me. It's actually two granddaughters. They were five and two at the time. And they're now, one just turned three and another one turns six in a couple of weeks here. Anyhow, but to take a... The whole fact that I got my final diagnosis two days after Christmas was going into the mix of everything because we were doing these various family events around Christmas time, And that part of that depression and devastation piece and the denial piece was your mind goes to some bad places like, well, how many more Christmases do I have with the family and things like this? We had a grandparent, grandma and grandpa time with our two granddaughters right around Christmas time there, a couple of days after this diagnosis and just a day apart for us to spend some time with them, just the four of us. We went to arcade and bowling and just did some fun stuff that way. Then we ended up at a McDonald's just to do the Happy Meal thing. My wife and I don't do McDonald's too much anymore, but we got the, the <laughs> granddaughters. And so you do the Happy Meal at McDonald's right. thing. So you do what they want. So we went there and I'm just sitting there and we're all having our chicken McNuggets and that kind of stuff. But I'm just watching them giggling and laughing. They don't really know what's going on with me other than the fact we're having fun and being silly. I have a kind of a long white beard and it's Christmas time and they were tugging on my beard and they were kidding around about being Santa Claus and things like that. We were having some fun with it and they were laughing and giggling and doing what little girls do, having a blast, having fun with their Grandparents, and I was loving it, as I always do with them. But I had this vision right there, Talia, and I can only call it a surrealistic, almost religious experience. But I'm watching these two little girls, five and two, cute as can be, but I suddenly saw them in a vision at, like, ages 21 and 18. Oh,
0: wow.
1: Just like young women, the vision was basically – if I don't do something about this cancer situation, I'm not going to see them anywhere close to this 21 and 18 type of thing. I'm not going to see them as young women doing whatever they're doing at that age, college or marriage or whatever they're doing at that age. But doggone it, man, I don't want to miss that. Yeah. I don't want to miss that. I want to be there for that and participate them and do our form of giggling at of McDonald's when they're 21 and 18, whatever that would be, but have some fun be involved with their life. So I knew right then, boom, I'd been through this depression and this devastation and poor me whiny stage, my wife calls it. And just, (laughs) I said, okay, here we go. We're moving to the do it stage. We're going to do something about this. But that vision was a pivotal moment for me to see my granddaughters when they're young women.
0: Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. The fact that you were able to have that vision and that's what fueled you to really take action and say, Hey, this is a reason for me to live. I want to see my granddaughters as young women. That is a true Testament to faith and figuring out what that why is early to help fuel you and help you keep going. Now, Brad, you were a pastor and I get the indication sometimes that when people are believers in Jesus and God. They don't think that we have a hard time, that we don't go through depression, like we don't get upset, angry, all of those things. Being a pastor, what is your perspective on that? You've shared several times already that unfortunately went through a very depressing stage. What advice do you have for people that feel like they can't feel that or they shouldn't be going through that. What advice do you have from a pastor's perspective?
1: I tell you, what you're describing there is a relatively common experience for people of faith. When bad things happen, because they happen to everybody, they get a little devastated because they have a skewed understanding of faith and of Jesus and everything that the faith in Jesus means all problems are solved. It's sweet by and by sweet. Jesus will take care of me. I do believe that Jesus and our brother God does take care of us, does care for us and loves us deeply, but that simply does not mean we don't have problems. You know, if Jesus had problems, major problems and a, all the disciples had problems, and everyone through history has had problems. Well, why, which we should we be any exception to this? Deal? Why would should we be somehow immune to bad things? And sometimes we can also play at the game of why is this person down the street who we don't perceive as a man or woman of faith? Why do they, you know, get through life and they got a big boat or whatever it is? And we, you know, we play the comparison game. God is not about the comparison game, to, to He's uh, God is about the grace game, about loving us no matter what our circumstances are. And so that's what I hang on to. So over the years, I have been blessed and fortunate. To deal with and counsel and be connected with people with all kinds of problems, health-related things, financial-related things, going through divorces, death and families, all kinds of things. I consider that a real privilege to be about those things, mental health issues, depression, all kinds of stuff we've dealt with. And in every case, the people who have a faith that's based on grace and hope over some sort of a Jesus as a, a cosmic vending machine. I say th- three prayers and everything's going to come out okay. It just doesn't work out that way. And I have always advised people to take a vision of hope to get through the circumstances we are in with faith. I, I follow also a principle that called the Stockdale Paradox. Maybe you've heard of it, maybe you have it. The Stockdale Paradox is a, uh, during the Vietnam War, a Air Force pilot was shot down over, Vietnam. And he ended up in Hanoi Hilton, the prison there. And he noticed a situation where the people who thought they were going to be home by Christmas, the other prisoners, but weren't, and they had unrealistic expectation. They didn't make it. And neither did the people who said, I'm never going to get out of here. They didn't make it. The ones who made it out successfully in life were the ones who realized and came to an understanding to. Deal with the brutal facts of where you're at and still choose to move forward in faith. So they go against each other. That's why it's called a paradox. But that's the stake I I have. And that's what I believe Jesus really taught. Deal with your present circumstances. deal, Deal with the situation here on earth, whatever they are, physical health, your life, your relationships, divorce, death, disease, whatever it is, deal with it, but understand that there is something better for you and a good life, and that's based on hope and grace.
0: So important to have that understanding. Brad, we've been talking about hope for quite a bit. Let's throw humor into that mix. Ah, yes. <laughs> Why do you feel like hope and humor are keys to healing?
1: Humor is just a fantastic tool. So in one very real way, when you deal with something bad in your life, You've got to find ways to cope. Sometimes you have to deal with the cope in order to get to the hope. So you have to just get through it. And humor is one of those ways to do that. And I've noticed that throughout my whole life, really, but my career, certainly. When I dealt with people who were sick, who had some devastating thing in their life, the ones who had a bit of a sense of humor, who could laugh at some of the aspects, they just did better. The people who were gloomy Gus or depressed Doris or whatever, they did not do well with whatever the circumstances were. The idea was to face the situation and use humor as one of the methodologies. There's others as well, but one of the methodologies to get better. This isn't just me making it up. And because I, my family, I'm known as the dumb dad joke guy. And so I've <laughs> always been done that kind of a thing. There's actual, as I did some research on this, I knew this kind of inherently at Talaya, but there is medical evidence about how laughter and humor is good for us. There's a whole bunch of research on this. There's actually doctors and other people who study this as a part of a treatment plan and this uh, type of thing. So I've adhered to that, and I follow that. There's the firing off, the release of endomorphins is one of the things that happens when you laugh. Your breath, you expel your breath. When you laugh or you cry, either one, you expel your breath in such a way that's healing. There's many other things as well. Mental attitude improves. that happens that way. So I've decided just to buy into that. And one of the other things that happened to me, that was also important. I wanted to share this as well in this whole deal about understanding the role of humor is that it's biblical. It's biblical. And during all that study time I was doing in my prayer life and my Bible studies, just one day I came across this verse of scripture, and it's from Proverbs 20, 17 22. It says, A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. And that's just my model, my of my credo in life it just the biblical message is a cheerful heart is good medicine but the opposite of that a crushed spirit and i've seen people with crushed spirits it's not pretty and i didn't want to be one of them because i'd had some of that the crushed spirit thing so that's some of the reasons i believe in humor and i know it's worked with other people it's helpful to me right now and i like to laugh (laughs)
0: I'm with you there. And it definitely helped me too. That was one of the things that I did was I found different comedy shows and things like that to watch just so that I could laugh, especially on those days where I received treatment. I was tired and felt heavy. Those treatments like chemo, they can affect your brain too, like chemo brain and all of those things. Oh yeah! And it was very helpful to just be able to find something to laugh at. For me, it was comedy shows, whatever I could find humor in. What well, was
1: one of the shows that you really liked that really tickled <laughs> tickled you?
0: Yeah, one of the. <laughs> you're a pastor, but. Well, um, lay it on me. This. That's okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> D- despite the bad language, Richard Pryor. Um, oh, of just course. Because of his mannerism.
1: <laughs> one of my favorites, one of the best. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Richard Pryor. And then what was the other guy? The Mask. Oh, Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey. Carrey. Yes.
1: <laughs> yeah. He's a good would, one. He's a good yes, one. Yes.
0: Very funny. So I would watch those movies and they would really lift my spirit and just make me come to the realization that, hey, it's not that bad. It could yeah. be worse. At least I'm at home and I can watch these shows. There are people who are bedridden in the hospital and they can't leave.
1: You said three words there, Talea, which are so important. And they're key to what I like to teach. When I watch these shows, they lifted my spirit. They lifted my spirit. And so that's what humor does. That's what a good visit from a friend. That's what a good story, whether it's funny or not, can lift our spirits. And that's so important. Do you agree?
0: I agree. Absolutely. Anything that you can find, usually it's good people. It's good laughter. Those things lift your spirit. Then also I found that getting those heavy feelings out, and you mentioned this earlier, journaling, getting Mm -hmm. that out, you have to release those heavy feelings too, so that you can receive the energy that lifts you up. At least that was the case for me.
1: I think you got to get it out. Whether you talk to somebody, your journal, pray, whatever it is, you got to you can't just leave it bottled up cuz it'll go to some dark places.
0: Absolutely. Brad, please tell us. You talked about the things that you teach. So tell me more about the ACTS X oh, plan. Oh,
1: absolutely and I love to share this plan because I've worked on this thinking through. Okay, I I am a process guy, Talia. Mm-hmm. You know, I want a roadmap. When we when my wife and I go on trips, I'm the guy who really wants to Plotted out with maps and all this type of thing. And on my GPS, I just like to know where we're going. We go on hikes as well. And I do not like to go on hikes where I don't know where we're at on a trail. So I like to have a map. That doesn't mean things don't change. You got to navigate whatever comes along, mm-hmm. but I like to have a plan. And so in my Bible reading and my study and study, some of the things we've mentioned here, I just came up with a, a process that came out of my studies that I called the Axe Plan, the ACTS Plan, and it came out originally. I said, "Okay, what am I going to do to take action about this?" So I came up with the Axe Plan. If you don't mind, I'll just briefly share yes. what it is, and because I believe, well, the overall thing I'm after is healing through hope and humor. Okay, so that's what I'm after. So how do you get there? So the Axe Plan, the the A in the word Axe stands for taking action. Okay this is physical part of things. This is doing what you need to do. Sometimes it's the medical stuff. Sometimes it's exercise. Most of the time it's going to be taking some significant action to do something to get you progressing towards healing with hope. Now, in your case, among the things you've done is started this podcast. And I know you're an advocate a doula and all that kind of thing. That's part of what you do. But a lot of that is for your own, healing as well but you cannot do any of this i don't believe if you just stay in bed and pull the covers over your head and just wait for somebody to come get you right. that doesn't work <laughs> that just leads to depression and darkness so action is the first step and it can be take different forms but i like to equate it to something physical you got to move your body or move your mind in some way to to get momentum going in the sea and the word ACTS stands for connecting to a higher power. And this is the spiritual aspect of what I like to teach. And the connecting to a higher power is a little bit what we've talked about here, Bible study, prayer, journaling, those type of things. For whatever your faith background is, or even no faith background, you still need to go to a deeper place to connect with something beyond self. Because if you just stay absorbed in your own self, you're going to go crazy. Yeah. you got to connect up with a higher power of course i believe as a christian it revolves around my relationship with jesus christ but whatever your deal is if it's meditation if it's uh connecting with some other faith tradition do that so the t that's the so a is action the c is connect with a higher power and that word connects important because you got to connect and the t in the word acts is to think with discipline This is the cognitive piece, Talia. You got to use your mind and you got to start working the process. So what are the actual disciplines, the practices, the habits, the things that you need to do with your everyday life that may be different than you did before? One quick example for me, which both relates to the action aspect of this and the discipline is I changed my eating plan. And after my surgery, I lost about... 25, 30 pounds, still got a long ways to go, but I did that. And that also helped deal with some of my other health issues. So that was a diet thing. And I've been much, been much more disciplined about other aspects of my life, including evening walks with my wife and things like this, things like that. But those are the disciplines, the practices that you need to apply to your life. And you got to think them through as well. Yeah. It's not just letting it happen to you. you got to think it through and have a plan and enact a strategy. So that's what that's about. So the A is action, the C, connect with higher power, the, C, the T is to think with discipline, and the S is to serve with love. And this is the emotional piece. Mm-hmm. you got to have emotion in this. If you're going to do something significant in your life, you've got to bring some emotion to it. And much of the time, I believe, that comes when you serve others, you're served as well. Yes. Now, I'm sure you've got great stories to tell. And you're going to be in my podcast before. Too long telling stories of you uh, being a, a, a doula and other things like that, which you do. What I'm doing is this podcast that you and I are on. And I have a course that I teach, which is based on what we're uh, talking about here. I've created a comedy show, a, a cancer and comedy show that we have a comedian coming in to do a live show that's going to be live stream as well. And so the comedy show that's going to raise money for cancer and doing some other things along that line. I got I've been working on the outline for a book, things like that. But all this is to serve other people with love, because I don't want to do it just for my own jollies, but I believe that will come to play. So ACTS, the ACTS plan, action, connect with a higher uh, power, think with discipline and serve others with love.
0: That's a beautiful plan. I think that it's needed because when you hear those words... Most people don't know what to do. They're just trying to grasp what they just heard. And so having a plan like the ACT or X plan is very important. And thank you so much for going into detail. Can people go to your website and learn more about this plan or sign up for it on your website?
1: Ab- absolutely. I okay. provide a free course that's basically outlines a little more in detail. This plan, the ACTS plan, I call it the HHH course, which stands for Healing with Hope and Humor. And if people want to get it, it's just go to my website. It's cancerandcomedy.com slash free. And you'll get it. You'll get it in your, in your email box. And it's absolutely free. Yeah, I call it the five-day course. There's five lessons. It's an audio course. So it's pretty easy to consume. 10, 15 minutes uh, lessons. And it includes also a process to begin the process of developing a key thing. The outcome is you're going to end up with a, what I call your, Cancer Coping Credo, which is your statement of what uh, your life is all about now that you have cancer. So I've used this to develop my own credo, but the course, uh, Cancer and slash free, begins the process of helping you to do that. If you allow me to, I'll just share my credo. It's very please. brief. And, yes, uh, please do. Uh, share my credo because that kind of drives everything I'm, I'm about. And what I teach is how people to develop their own credo. But my personal cancer coping credo is this. I will not let cancer define me. I will leverage cancer to refine my life to the better in my relationships and to drive me forward in my remaining days to fulfill the mission of sharing a message of healing through hope and humor and teaching the biblical message that a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. I just keep this right by my desk and I see it every day. And that's part of what I use to drive me forward in whatever I'm doing, whether it's working on the podcast or de- dealing with a family member or anything I'm doing. I try to have that in mind and that it's been helpful to me.
0: Wonderful. You're right. It's so important to have that credo, your why, your mission, because there are tough days in real life. Even if someone is not facing cancer, there's tough days. And so Going through the course, creating those credos are critical to your livelihood, to your emotional health, spiritual health as well. So take the time to look into Brad's course and create your credo. We would love to hear what you come up with.
1: Yeah, I would love it too. Yes. Thank you for allowing me to share that.
0: Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Brad, you touched on this just a little bit. Please tell us about the Clean Comedy Cancer Benefit. And you alluded a little bit as to why you created it, but if you don't mind sharing more.
1: I really appreciate the opportunity and for allowing me to share about this. I was just thinking, okay, I'm doing this podcast, but it's just kind of me talking about this. People in my own local community need to hear this message. And I need to find every means I can to get the word out about this. And a friend of mine has done some promotion of like uh, music events and so on. In the past, I've actually, I used to be a Christian rock DJ and I've helped to promote Christian rock concerts and things like that and big rallies for conferences and things like this. So I've done a little bit of event organizing and I thought, okay, what can we do here? So a few months back, there was a program on television called the Stand Up to Cancer Foundation, which Katie Couric created this. There was a lot of entertainers and others who were involved with it. And I saw that coming on. They were leveraging a lot of star power and money and other things like it towards cancer research. And I said, you know, I kind of want to do my version of that. The comedian who's on the clean comedy, which means that they focus on clean comedy, so uh, I love Richard Pryor too, but he probably wouldn't make it on the clean comedy exactly. circuit. Oh, yeah. but, uh, but anyhow, he's on a lot of the national shows, comedy network on Sirius, and he was on a whole bunch of big time shows, he travels the country. His name is Rick Roberts, but he also, I had some conversation with him personally. He turns out he's a prostate cancer survivor as well. And he incorporates in his show uh, some elements about dealing with cancer. And he shares a bit of his story. We made some arrangements. I decided to put together a uh, comedy show here in my local community. And I'm not depending on when our podcast episode airs. It's November the 4th, 2023, 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. So people in the local community, Indianapolis, where I live, can participate in that. And I'm going to be on local TV to promote it and things like that. So I'm looking forward to that. But I'm also... Sharing, and we're, we have a goal of raising a thousand dollars for cancer research. And so I think we're, we're going to get there. So it's a fundraiser and it's an awareness thing. It's also a way I can serve the people in my own community where I live. But uh, today we're also doing it as a live stream. It'll be on both our fa- Facebook page and group, and also on our YouTube channel. So it'll be a live stream there, and then it'll live there beyond that as well and we'll create a podcast about as well but if people want to check out the live stream of that i'd like to share that link as sure. well if you don't mind and yes. that's simply cancerandcomedy.com slash live and that'll connect you to our facebook and our youtube channels That is where the live show will happen seven o'clock p.m eastern time saturday november the 4th hope people will check it out
0: Wonderful! And it's,
1: and- and it's called oh, they, and the, it's called the ca- Clean Comedy Cancer Benefit, is what it's called.
0: Wonderful! I really love that. I think it's so important. You're giving back to your community. You're figuring out ways to support and help people in your area. It's a great thing. We're going to shift now to podcasting. Yes, ma'am. So, yes, sir. You were a podcaster before cancer. So you've been podcasting for eleven years. Yes. I've only been doing it for two. So you know better than me that 11 years, that is a veteran in the podcasting world and it's hard work. So Brad, what fuels you to keep putting your voice out into the airwaves and into the world? And what do you want your listeners to walk away with when they listen to episodes of cancer and comedy?
1: First of all, Tulay, I've heard you heard your podcast and you are rocking the mic and you're sharing your passion, and you're making a difference. You're making an impact, and you're an influencer through your show. And that's essentially what I'm sharing about you is what motivates me to be a podcaster, because I know there is a certain intimacy about this form of communication that's hard to come by with just about anything else. Now, I was fortunate. I was a pastor for 43 years, which means I spoke from a pulpit to a group, anywhere ranging from 25 to a thousand uh, on any given Sunday or event that I was at. And so that's wonderful to speak to live audiences. I love that. There's something magical about that. So I've been doing that. And I was actually in radio off and on all the way back to high school days. I've been involved with radio and so involved, love that. And that's broadcast, which goes out to many. A podcast is basically people are choosing to listen to you. It's because for instance, there may not be, I'm going to go out and limb here, there may not be too many people worried about Travis, Kelsey, and, and Swifty who are going to tune into either one of our podcasts. They're going to be more yeah. turned <laughs> about what is going on with their love life or whatever, that, and football, <laughs> that kind of thing. If you see what I'm saying, yeah. but that's okay. We are talking to people who have this issue of cancer or some other situation in life that we can speak to. And guess one of the cool things about it is I believe we're speaking directly, and in many cases, through earbuds and things like that, we're speaking almost directly to people's heads. We're going right there, and they take us with them, whether they're washing the dishes or walking the dog or exercising or whatever. We're right there with them, and I appreciate that. And so I've been doing it off and on for about 11 years. I've had several podcasts. I have a, a podcast called Beyond Adversity, which I put on hiatus to work on the Cancer and Comedy One but I knew that this forum for me is how I wanted to lean into the podcasting world. And so I'm all in. I believe in the power of it and the opportunities that uh, podcasting can afford. And one of the joys of it is meeting and talking to people like you who are, probably wouldn't have had opportunity to do otherwise.
0: I, I could not agree more. That is so true. And I love it. I, I just love having... Meaningful and deep conversations with people. And it's the power of podcasting that allows you to do that with someone you really don't even know. Absolutely. And I think it's an honor when people not only listen to you, but when guests are willing to share this space with you, that means they trust you in some way. And it's an honor to be able to help people share their stories and their experiences.
1: It is indeed an honor and a, a privilege, and I cherish uh, special moments that have been meaningful and transformative to me, because I live for life transformation. My, my my doctoral degree I got many years ago was about personal transformation, and so that's what I live for.
0: Through your experience for people who have been through something like cancer or something very major, maybe it was some trauma that they faced in their life, not necessarily a disease or anything like that, but maybe there was some trauma that they experienced and they are hesitant to talk about it because they think it might be too heavy. They think people may not want to hear about it from all your years of radio, being a podcaster, being a pastor, What advice do you have for those people who are hesitant to share their stories?
1: There's a word that applies here, Atalea, that I think is appropriate to this part of our conversation. That word is fear. And you you probably heard the acronym, fear is false evidence appearing real. And there's, I think there's some truth to that because here's what happens much of the time when someone has a fear of trying something and they try it. Most times it's just not as bad as they thought it was going to be. And much of the time it is affirming what they did. They've tried something and people who are naturally introverts, among the other things it's hard for them to do is to talk to other people or even people who are not necessarily introverts, but they've had trauma that has impacted them. And it's, it's hard to get over that, but I would just encourage people to take a bit of a risk a bit of a walk of faith, a step of faith. A step of faith means you just go for it, and good things can often happen. We're on talking on video. I know this is audio, but I keep a poster of Indiana Jones in my office that's right behind me. Indiana Jones is my favorite movies. It's one of the Indiana Jones movies. It's quite old now, but the Indiana Jones character takes a step of faith into a chasm, and he takes a step and he's okay. He has to take the step of faith. And literally there's an invisible walkway on this chasm. He's able to walk across. So that's one of the reasons I keep that poster in my office, my home office, take a step of faith. And most of the time, good things are going to happen. And guess what? Even if it does, even if there is problems, you still uh, need to walk in hope and faith that something bigger than yourself is there for you. And that can include other people. If you're reaching out to other people, very few people are going to say, I'll get the heck with you. I don't want anything to do with you. Most people are going to say, how can I help?
0: So true. Thank you for sharing that story and that analogy. I think more people need to hear that. I'm a true testament to everything that you've said. I'm an introvert myself. But I tell you, Brad, when I started sharing my story, it was like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Yes. When I started reaching out to other people to share their stories with me, It was just easy it was natural and i just thank god for leading me down that path because sitting in a cubicle i would not have had the opportunity to talk to so many amazing people learn so many things and make so many powerful connections with people and i really think that's what make the world go around is truly connecting with people heart to heart And we need more of that. So thank you for what you do and thank you for all your podcasting over the years and just paving a way for newbies like me. Um, Just happy that we were able to connect.
1: Absolutely. You're an awesome leader and an awesome voice as an advocate for people dealing with cancer. I call them the cancer impacted uh, people because sometimes it's not only the person with the disease, it's their family and others as well. And Way to go. Yay, God, for what you're doing.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Fred, we're about to wind down here. So there's two more questions I like to ask my guests. Absolutely. And the first one is, what is one word you would use to describe how you are surviving or how you have survived cancer?
1: One word. I guess I would frame it in this way. I'm going to, it's hard for a preacher to just use one word. I'm going to get to though. <laughs> the one, one word. And I like to say, you go on to the promised land or the promised life. You come from your problems to your promised life. In order to get there, the one word is journey. Okay.
0: Journey. Wonderful. Yes. What is one I wish I would have known?
1: Oh man.
0: And it can be about anything.
1: I wish I would have known the true value of time. And what I mean by that is I mentioned the story about my granddaughters. It just seemed whatever year is between ages five and two to 21 and 18 were contracted right there. And I don't want to miss a moment of the time that I have here on earth. And I feel like I've wasted too many moments. (laughs) So the value and the importance of time.
0: Great advice. Thank you. Brad, before we end, is there anything that you want to share that you haven't shared already?
1: I would just share that first of all, Teleadendy's podcast here, "Navigating Cancer Together," is an awesome podcast, and people who are need to see this podcast as a resource for them. And I want to share that I'm available to be a resource to people who are impacted by cancer as well. I want people to feel free and I'm absolutely uh, genuine about this. Reach out to me through my website, cancerandcomedy.com. There's a place there to leave your information. You can do that. You can subscribe to the podcast right there, for instance, at cancerandcomedy.com slash follow. That's one way to do that. Take advantage of my free gift. It's just my gift to you. You don't have to do anything. All you do is, I guess you give me your email address so I can send it to you. And that's at cancerandcomedy.com dot com slash free. But here is the thing to know that you're a valued person, that God values you, other people value you, and you are not, because you have cancer or you're impacted by cancer, you are not less than, you are not corrupted, you are not somehow a person who is not of value. You're highly valued. And I believe that you have a purpose in life and you can do something with that. And you are called in some special way to serve others with love. So take action, connect with God, think through the process and do it. Serve others with love.
0: That's powerful. Brad, thank you so much for your kind words, for all the wisdom that you've shared. And I think that is a great way to end this episode with the powerful message that you have shared. And I hope all the listeners receive it. Thank you. Thank you. Before we end, I would like to give a shout out to the listeners. Thank you so much for joining us. Please share, follow, or subscribe so that you can find this podcast and listen again. You can listen to Navigating Cancer Together on Amazon Music or wherever you get your podcasts. That is it for this Wednesday. And until next time, let's keep navigating cancer together. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Navigating Cancer Together. I hope you found it helpful. Please be sure to subscribe, share, and tell your friends and family about it. For notes from the show and previous episodes, visit ontheotherside.life and check out the podcast section. I'd love it if you join me for the next episode. Talk to you soon.